Thank you for tuning in to Uncommon Women, a podcast that provides a platform for women of all walks of life to share their upbringings, life lessons learned, experiences, and journeys to come. Uncommon Women speaks on topics that can relate to all women. We share, we listen, we laugh, we cry, and we empower each other to be the best uncommon woman that they can be. Ultimately, we are cultivating a global movement of women supporting women. Women supporting entrepreneurship, relationships, self-love, and so much more. We inspire each other to make an impact on this world for the better. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to Uncommon Women. Now, finally, grab a seat, get comfortable, and hear from your wonderful hosts, Shanira and Jenny Lee. Hi, kings and queens. Thank you for tuning in to Uncommon Women. I'm Shanira. And I'm Jenny Lee. And today we have an amazing guest speaker that's going to come on and share her testimony um, in regards to how she started uh, Grace for Grant. Uh, but more importantly, before we get into that, we're going to give you a little bio about Jackie, um, an introduction for you guys before we get into the good stuff. Jackie Calvin is a Ohio State University School of Journalism graduate and author. She has pursued a number of writing and sales courses. She's also the author of several novels, including A Tease of Murder. Jackie's story begins on a January day when her, when her son becomes ill and never returns home. He gave her the courage to compose Grace for Grant. It causes a, slur, a slew of storms, hurdles, and roadblocks in her life. However, there is a spot in the midst where there is life after death. So thank you so much, Jackie, for coming on today and be able to just express and share your stories um, of how you started Grace for Grant and how everything came all about. Um, but before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about your life and how was it growing up? Well, first, Shanira and Jenny Lee, thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Um, I had a very normal childhood. Grew up in a small town, very small town. In fact, I think it was just named the coldest town in Ohio. <laughs> in oh, wow. Yes, in, in northeastern Ohio, about an hour southeast of Cleveland. And it was, uh, I grew up in an 18 room farmhouse, this old okay. place that was just so much fun. Mm -hmm. And I have a, one older sister and she's five years older. So sometimes it was a little like being an only child, but uh, we had a huge garden growing up. My, we had an acre. My father had a, a quarter of it was, was relegated to the garden. And so I never thought anything about going to the store and getting produce until I left home. And it was like, this doesn't taste like what I got at home. <laughs> and my mother canned and, you know, picnics and I had a great childhood. So it was, uh, they gave me a typewriter when I was eight years old mm -hmm. and the rest is history. Started banging on that typewriter and haven't stopped since. All I, uh, tend to do is if I'm not on the typewriter, I've got a pen and a, and a composition book in my hand. Mm. So you started writing or at least visualizing of what you wanted to do at eight years old, just from a typewriter. Just from a typewriter. I thought, this is fun. And I had such a wild imagination. Um, one of my sons, 
he went to a Catholic school and at the time there were nuns there and Sister Karen was the principal and she was watching Grant one day and I was standing next to her and she said, it's a little like raising Walter Mitty, isn't it? And <laughs> I said, yeah, maybe. And she kind of snickered and walked away and I thought she thinks I'm Walter Mitty too. Right. <laughs> and she may not be far wrong. So, you know, that typewriter took me a lot of places. That's awesome. That's so great. Let's, let's get into the Grace for Grant. How did everything start or, you know, what was the process before you actually got to Grace for Grant? What was going on where your son got ill and, you know, everything just started to be a ripple effect? Well, he, um, in 2015, he graduated from high school. Okay. And as time wore on, he was starting to complain of a few headaches couldn't really find anything going on. His birthday was on the 4th of January and he didn't feel that well. We went out to dinner, looking back on the pictures, he his face is gray. Mm. And that was a Monday. On a Wednesday, he couldn't keep anything down, had to go to emergency. It was okay. Friday, I came home and he said, Mom, I think I've had a stroke. One look, wow. said, I can't argue that. And off we went. And from there, it just went into a crazy spiraling roller coaster ride of healthcare and doctors and surgeries and medicines and craziness. And my friend Susan came up with this idea to showcase what was going on because we had people who were saying, um, how can we how can we help we first we just asked for a few prayers on facebook mm -hmm. and well how's it going texts and messages and facebook how's it go how's it going? so i started doing updates every day okay. thank goodness because that's how i wrote the book mm. so um she came up with the idea of grace for grant bracelets grace awesome. for grant that's awesome and obviously grace for grant and just cool the phrase and it it caught on and that was that was really the whole impetus of everything that came from there and she, she said how about orange everybody uses every other color all the time hardly anybody uses orange so she came up with orange mm -hmm. and it, it was uh grace for grant that blossomed from a few messages of asking for prayers to uh, across the country to friends telling friends telling friends telling friends and prayers and candles and churches and cities wow. I didn't even know and uh, Spain and France and Italy and England and Scotland and Canada so it just it, it came, became a global thing of people watching what was going to happen next and hoping that this kid would pull himself out of this. Right. Um, that's really how it started. Do you think it would have, it was a possibility of being prevented, you know, when he was talking about he was having headaches or? No. Um, okay. No. It was a glioma, a burn, and they have no idea what causes them. And there is basically no survival. 
It is more of a pediatric disease. And I last year at this time, there was a little girl in my hometown. She was four. And they announced it, I think, in April, and she died in June. It's just there's nothing you can do. It's a tumor that attaches to your brain stem going down into your spinal column, which is the motherboard of your body. It, it relegates uh, everything. Everything goes there. And from there, it's your breathing. It's your vision. It's your gait. It's your balance. It's your heart rate. It's, your, it's everything. It's everything. It governs everything. So it's, and there's no... Uh, there's nothing that can be done. No cure for it. That's what you're basically saying. There's like, it's basically no cure because one, no. it's a ripple yeah. effect on everything in your body. There's wow. no cure. And as it grows, it can extend down the spinal column. And it can also uh, short out everything that is in its path. So uh, he was on a lot of different medicines to regulate the heartbeat and the blood pressure and he would have a great day and then he'd have a very down day mm. and uh, when we first were in the hospital they said well it's either a stroke MS or a tumor if it's a tumor there's nothing we can do okay I basically I never even heard the tumor part we just everything presented a stroke and that's what we did. Okay. Right. Um, through the whole process, what emotions were you going through there in this, you know, what were you going through at this, at this, with everything going on? How were you feeling through all this? As a mom. Well, I thought we'll take him in. They thought it was a cyst in his throat. We'll, uh, we'll deal with that and be home to watch football on Sunday. Mm-hmm. That was far from what was happening. So he stayed at one hospital for a week. He was transferred to the rehab facility at Tampa General, which is a very large teaching hospital. Okay. And he got there. I went to get clothes for him, came back. There was a team in a cart. And I thought, oh, assessment. This is good. He had had a heart attack. Mm. So the next thing I knew, we were crossing the bridge to the main hospital to ICU. Wow. So it was, my ex-husband was with me and he said, when will this nightmare end? But little did we know crossing that bridge, it was only beginning. Wow. Only beginning. And we, we were outside, uh, my boyfriend and I were outside the ICU door and Father Len, the priest from the church came walking down and he said, he said, hey, and I said, hey, what are you doing here? And he said, my mom had a stroke, so we're watching the hockey game. And he looked at me and he said, what are you doing here? <laughs> and I said, Grant's behind that door. And he said, has he been anointed? And I said, no. So he came in and they were doing an ultrasound to see what kind of heart he had left. Right. Wow. Which had actually gone down to about 10%. Wow. So they're doing this ultrasound on him and the father's lined up next to me and they're done and Grant leans back in the pillows and he looks up and he sees Father Len and all his vestments and his eyes start popping out of his head. And I thought, oh, shit. he's going to think he's here for last ride. <laughs> so I said, Grant, look, 
look who I found in the hallway. His mom had a stroke too. Like, you know, mm -hmm. people who have strokes need company. So yeah. he, um, as sick as he was, he, he sat up and he looked Father Len in the eye and put his hand out and said, nice to see you, Father Len. And I thought, mm -hmm. I got to tell you, that etiquette course when he was nine years old was worth every cent. <laughs> <laughs> he's still, he's on a hospital bed with 10% heart function mm -hmm. and he's still remembering his manners. Mm -hmm. that's that's wow. Oh, that's awesome. So, How long was he in the hospital for? Well, he went into Tampa General and he was in the cardiac unit. Okay. And then his heart came back so fast. It was that it was like a miracle. They said, this is amazing. I've never seen this before. It's back up to full production. Wow. So they needed the room. So they basically kicked him out of that room, but they put him in pediatrics. Okay. And they had a ball with him there. He, he loved everybody there. The nurses loved him. Uh, one day I walked in and uh, there were two clowns there. And I, I'm not talking goofballs. I'm talking big shoot, big hair. <laughs> Stand in the doorway and they said, we need you for a second. Come out here. And I'm so glad I didn't sneeze because they stuck him in the center between the two and they flipped bowling pins in front and back of my head <laughs> while they filmed it. So wow. I had to just stand there and not breathe while these bowling pins were, I could feel the air of them going by my face. And they're recording this at this time. And, and the nurse is recording this. And Grant, Grant was, uh, I don't know if he saw it or not, he was kind of napping. Mm -hmm. but, um, uh, from pediatrics, there was a pipe burst. So from pediatrics, we had to go to the neuro unit. So okay. with each place that we went, we had to pull all the cards and letters off the wall and pack up all his stuff and get new, used to new staff. And the staff had to be known what was going on. And it was, you know, it was a, a trial of, okay, this is what happened. This is what we're going. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing. And Early on in the cardiac unit, Grant looked at me and said, well, he couldn't speak because he had been intubated. Okay. He had an alphabet sheet that he pointed letters at to make sense. Mm -hmm. He said, I'm afraid you're not going to stand up for me. And that was, that was a real eye opener. I don't like confrontation. So maybe he had a point, mm -hmm. but from that, second I turned on a dime I asked every question I I if I didn't like something I voiced my opinion if I didn't understand something I made them explain it if I didn't want a procedure done because of the hour I said no and it it, it made me I think it made me a stronger person having to having your child look at you and say I'm afraid you're not going to fight for my me. back Right, wow. you're not going to have my back, and I thought, oh no, 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 that's not going to be the case. So, you know, that's that's how it was, and and you really have to advocate advocate for whomever it is because yeah. they'll run over you, they'll do what they want, mm -hmm. um, they won't tell you what they're doing. You have to watch the meds, you have to watch what they're doing, you have to watch the staff. I mean. Everybody has a bad day. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I just had to be there to make sure that everything was 
going the way it was supposed to and everything was being done that, that should have been done. So hopefully, um, well, from what I understand, towards the end when he was not awake, he was breaking into people's meditations and saying, we're doing great here, keep going, until the time when he could no longer do it because he he had one final brain bleed and it was over. Mm. And they, they figured out the tumor at that point. He, he, had, he had actually had the stroke, but the bleed covered the tumor. Wow. So they couldn't really see it, which is why we went with stroke protocol and kept working him towards regaining all his deficiencies. Right. So. Wow. But um, the support from everyone was amazing. Um, people visited. He had a he had his kindergarten teachers came to see him, and the whole class had made a booklet saying "Get Better Grant," and they all signed. There's like 32 pages of these little tiny scrawls and pictures. So so cute, so cute. And he was you know still able to you know hold their hands and talk to them at that point. So, but. He had a lot of um, he had a lot of support, which he knew. So, um, and it, it's uh, it's one of those things, and especially in the book, Grace for Grant: A Journey with an Old Soul. <laughs> Get this thing straight. Um, I have people tell me I'm laughing in one sentence and crying in the next, and then I'm back to laughing <laughs> because. As, as rough as the situation is, there's always something that, that can end up being humorous. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe humor is my defense mechanism. I'm probably like the Chandler Bing of hospitals because when it gets tough, I start making jokes. The chair up, <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I start on that track. So, um, it's uh, it was quite an experience. Um, I'll never be the same. <laughs> I don't think anyone in my family will ever be the same. Right. And I don't think anyone I know looks at me the same. It's just a life changing experience. Right. Was there ever, was this, was Grant your only child at the time? Yes. He, he was my only child. He was your only child. Um, was there a point in your life where, you know, you supported him and you had his back and then, you know, Always. he passed away? Was there a part where you wanted to give up? Where you yes, absolutely. Um, I think it happens with death. Uh, I was having my toenails done because they looked so horrible. I couldn't go to the funeral with these horrible toenails. And the woman at the salon looked at me and she said, what happens when it all goes quiet? And I said, when everyone's gone and I'm all the, everything has died down and it's just me. And she said, yep. And I said, I don't know. I guess we'll have to see what happens. Um, and that day did come. But there, there was also a lot of family around and then kids around. I mean, I still have kids around. One of them is cooking on the other side of the computer. <laughs> so, um, you know, they're, they're still all around. And right. it's really nice. And they're all, they're, you know, they're 24 and 
soon to be 25 now. Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's nice to still have them around. Um, but it's, uh, the, they say the third year is the hardest. And it really was. Mm -hmm. It really was. I was at the end of my rope. Why am I still here? What am I doing? Why? What's the purpose of my life? I have no purpose anymore. I don't even know why I'm still standing. Mm. And my poor boyfriend, Mark, was at his wit's end because he didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. I finally found a neuro-linguistic program that, that has really helped a lot. Okay. Um, I find that th those are probably the best. Therapy didn't work very well for me. Okay. Um, you know, whether it was on the phone, on the computer, in person, I, I didn't find any of those to be very helpful. Okay. So um, the neuro-linguistic programming was very helpful for me. That's awesome. Okay. okay. So, but yes, there was a point where I said, I think maybe it's time I take my leave. <laughs> And he said, that's not going to happen. We're going to have to start, sort this out. Mm -hmm. So. Wow. Um, you did mention that when you were eight years old, you know, how they gave you a typewriter. But besides that, what else inspires you to write? Just like, you know, you wrote all these novels. What else uh, inspires you to write as well? I find that if I don't write, I have the craziest dreams ever. And they, and if I write, they kind of calm down and go away. Otherwise, they're so vivid and so nuts that they they bother me, or they keep me awake, mm. or I don't get very restful sleep. And as I write, it t it tends to get all that out. I guess they say there's two types of dreams. There's resolution dreams, and then there's uh, the dreams of um, uh, visitation mm -hmm. and so when you have a visitation dream there's nothing crazy going on in that someone is just there to mm -hmm. touch base okay um, when the stuff is crazy it's your subconscious coming forward and mm -hmm. telling you these are the things that you need to resolve in your waking life mm -hmm. okay. so uh, a lot of mine tend to be I, I have visitations mm -hmm. but a lot of it is unresolved issues in waking life. And I can figure those out now knowing what that's about. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just, it needs to go down on paper for it to just calm right. down. Okay. That's your piece. Writing is, is yeah. your soothing, soothing place, right? Yes. It's a soothing place. Um, that's therapy. <laughs> it, is, it is therapy. It's hard to tell people that it's therapy to murder someone. <laughs> Someone said, was this a different thing for you? I said, yeah, I'm used to murdering people, not, you know, trying to keep them from dying. <laughs> Usually I got the poison book out. Right. So, you know, in fact, one day I was in my office and I think I'd been in there for three days trying to kill a chambermaid. You've been in here for three days. What are you doing? And I said, I can't figure out how to kill this chambermaid. I'm trying to get her to, like, I don't want her to die really fast. I don't want her to die too slowly. The slow it sleeps, but crawl into it, right? You know, it has to be just right. And he looked at me and he said, Iodine. And I said, Excuse me? And he said, Iodine. Oh my. I looked up in my poison reference book, which probably cost me my first marriage. 
because every time he saw that when he walked in the room in the reference section of the library, he said, She's gonna get me with that. Kill me my <laughs> well, you're a book author for that too. Uh, <laughs> I, I got guess. weapons, I got poisons, I have forensics. So you know, maybe you know. You know. <laughs> you know, definitely. I, that would definitely that would definitely scare somebody. <laughs> well, and then when the boyfriend walked in for the first time, he said, What are all these books? And he said, So I can murder people. He was like Okay. <laughs> it's getting late. So, um, anyway, I looked it up in my poison book, and there it was, iodine. I don't know how I missed it. It was perfect. I said, where did you learn that? And he said, science class. Oh, See you, Mom. Oh. <laughs> Bye, Mom. Thank you. <laughs> he was extremely smart. Um, and I know everybody says that. All parents say that. But he was tested a couple of times. <laughs> And he, uh, they didn't even have a place on the graph for him. Wow. So uh, the first time they told me that, I thought, you know, some parents would be like, ooh, get him into college early, get scholarships. I thought, I am so screwed. He did. He outsmarted me at every turn. <laughs> He was a he was a student of the world because his grades sure didn't show it. <laughs> but he was a student of the world. That's awesome. Very smart. So that's awesome. Is there something you would like to express express for those that's grieving from losing a child or losing a, a lost one and you know, not sure how to just keep moving, keep going? Uh, it, it is very hard and everyone is different. It obviously is life crushing mm -hmm. to, to lose a child. And sometimes I wonder if I have left something untapped deep down that if it ever becomes tapped, I might like shoot off to the moon or something. But um, I have good family stability. Like I said, I still have a lot of kids around. Mm -hmm. um, when he died, my ex-husband um, had been, my ex-husband was fired during this whole debacle. Oh, wow. oh, wow. My company was like, whatever you need to do. I worked for Abbott Labs and they were like, whatever you need to do, mm -hmm. do it. So he got fired. So eventually, like I'd say five months later, he needed to move back home because I was still in the house. Right. And he owned part of the house. So he moved back in to the guest quarters. And so he and my boyfriend and I lived together for three years. Oh, wow. So wow. Um, he was there. It's, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that for everyone. Because <laughs> people say, you're living with your ex husband. The day we moved out, we all said, been really fun watching people's faces when we tell them we all live together. <laughs> and they said, like, "That's a whole nother gonna miss that." Because <laughs> it was fun watching people's expressions. <laughs> I'm sorry, what did you say? <laughs> the three of us live together. Interesting. Yeah. When I went to my first company meeting after it was all over, my big boss said, "Can I ask you a few questions?" And I said, "Sure." And and he wanted to know how I was doing and how they had done for us while we while he was in the hospital. And and he said, and so how are things going now? And I told him, I said, I have a lot of support. 
my boyfriend and my ex-husband and I, you know, live in, together and we have meals together and watch TV together and go out and do things together. And he said, um, I don't think I could ever live with my ex-wife. <laughs> it's, it's not a probably normal situation. <laughs> but you make it work. <laughs> make it work. And I think, I think for the three of us, the comfort of, even if it was not expressed on a daily basis, the comfort of having each other there to lean yeah. on was yeah. important. Right. So wow. I think maybe having someone to lean on is a very important thing. And although I know some people say social media, I could not have done without that community. Mm -hmm. They were, they were the source of a lot of uh, prayers and a lot of support and cards and letters and um, praying for Grant and just, you know, letting us know it's, you can't, you can't, rely on yourself to just move on and go on with it. You have, you have to stay engaged mm -hmm. and there are a lot of different, there's a lot of different things out there. People who've lost children. We have a, a set of friends. They lost their child. Wow. They invited, they invited us to come to their group. And to this day, we haven't gone. Mm -hmm. Everybody wow. has to find what works best for them. Mm -hmm. um, I agree. So it's not a one fit all. Right. When yeah. fits all. So it's, it has to be something that you try and, okay, this is working for me. This is making me feel better. This is, this is, this is good. Um, and that's how you have to feel through it. You just have to feel through it. Um, there's, there's a lot of people will tell you, you have to do this. You have to do that. You don't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. You just have to find something that for you. doesn't make you yeah. or cry. And you do have to go through those five steps. You know, you're you're angry and you're in denial and you're, you know, grieving and all that. All, all these things, right. Finally, acceptance. And that's a load of crap, too, because <laughs> you don't necessarily ever accept this. Mm -hmm. You just learn to live with it. Because mm. it's hard to accept. People would say to me, "I just don't understand why this happened." And I said, "He, he was needed somewhere else. He was a very old soul to start with. He probably had something he was supposed to do, and mm. off he went. Mm. And he's out there doing his thing. And he's very, from what I understand, he's very happy because he still breaks in on people's meditations. <laughs> That's something he's not not going to stop doing. So." Uh, it's, I don't, the only thing that I bothered me about it all was how much pain he may have endured during the process mm. because we didn't know what was happening to him. On, right. Yes. So, and, and um, actually I had a friend whose mom was in the hospital at the same time he was in the hospital. They moved him to a step down unit and he came to me and said, they want to move my mom to a step down unit, but I don't, I've looked at all these places and there's one thing they don't have. And I said, well, what is that? And he said, you, and I said, what to say to that? And he said, well, you, you'll make sure they do what they're supposed to do. And I said, well, do you want me to have them put her in with grant? And he said, no, next door is fine. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
Grant was in one room and she was next door and I would go back and forth between the two rooms because he wow. had been with her and his business was, he was ignoring his business and he couldn't, he's a, he's a art gallery owner. Oh. So it was tough for him to step away for such a large amount of time. So I kind of filled in and that's he put it. Wow. So, um, you know, it's just, you have to, you have to just, like I said, maintain and and try and monitor things. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but like I said, everybody has to find their own source of comfort and what works best. Um, can you speak on your business and where we can find you? Uh, we are at www.livelifesrichmoments.com uh, our, our slogan is living gratefully mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. a site that is really right now it is really centered on this um, since it's just not even a we're not even a month post launch it's really centered on this Okay. I've been reading Amazon reviews. We're getting really good reviews. It's very awesome. exciting. Very That's exciting. Great. And a byproduct that I hoped would happen but wasn't sure is that people are telling them it's really helping them. Mm, wow. Um, people who have had a loss or people who know someone who's had a loss. At my book launch, a woman came up to me and she said, I want two copies because in the previous two weeks, she had two friends that lost a 16 year old and an 18 year old. Wow. Back to back. So she bought them each a copy because when she started to read it, she said, I, it's helping me mm -hmm. to help deal with that. So wow. it, it, it does seem to be helping people as far as how they're grieving or how they're looking at things. So that was that was his probably greatest wish. He right. wanted to write this with me. Mm -hmm. um, he never got that chance. But let me tell you what, uh, he was definitely around while it was being written. <laughs> During the pandemic, I said, okay, I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna knock this book out. The day I did that, a crow showed up at the bedroom window and tapped on the window. Oh, wow. And my cat got up and went over to the window. I opened up the shutters and the two of them commuted for about 10 minutes. And then the bird flew away. The bird kept coming back every day, eating the cat's food, sitting around with us. In the book. Wow. <laughs> I have a picture of the bird sitting on under the cabana in the uh, on the patio chair and my cat is underneath the chair and he's looking down at the cat and the cat is looking up at the bird. <laughs> and that bird would just come every day. Some days he brought his wife for breakfast. Mm -hmm. He would, he was close to actually eating out of our hands. Mm -hmm. So he would come to the front sometimes, sometimes the back, but he came every day. He, when he first came, he, I think he was building his nest. He kept trying to steal my artificial flowers out of one of my planters. Then he kept. Then he was trying to steal one of my orchids. Then he tried to take one whole plant. <laughs> we named him Edgar Allan Crow, and I said, "Look, Edgar, you cannot carry the whole plant. Stop trying." So I think he finally got the nest built, and it was all fine. And I said, "You know, if this crow leaves when this book is done, we'll know who it was." Well, the book was finished. A week later, the crow was gone. 
And then a year to the day, because it came up in Facebook in the memories, that crow came back. Wow. He's still, he's still mm. kind of around, but mm. he came back and uh, I, we were actually getting ready to go ride bikes. And Mark said to me, where are you? I said, I'm in the back. He said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm feeding Edgar. <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding. And I said, no, I put a plate of food on my bicycle seat. Now he's sitting on the handlebar eating. So <laughs> you're going to have to wait. So yes, the bird is around. <laughs> so it, it's, it's Grant. And, you know, I, sometimes my fingers were moving so fast on the keyboard that I could not keep up. So he was probably sitting right beside me going, come on. <laughs> it took me 85 days to write this book. Wow. So, uh, yes, I like to say he, he was probably sitting next to me with his foot up my butt because I wrote that book so fast. It was it I was say that out of me. a whole book. Mm -hmm. that, that's pretty fast. It, it is. is fast. <laughs> wow. Because the first couple of weeks was gathering all of the notes from the Facebook posts, from the updates that I did every day. Oh, that's awesome. Gathering them and categorizing them and putting them in chronological order and finding a way to incorporate them into a, a thread timeline. Mm -hmm. And then once that all started going, I'd write a chapter and I'd prop myself up in bed, write a chapter, read it to Mark, cry, and go on to the next one. Aww. So, you know, he, he, and he got to hear the whole thing as it was being produced. Mm -hmm. And then when the book was done, he read it. Then when the first, this is a commemorative edition, this hardcover okay. is a commemorative edition available only on the site. It has an extra bonus chapter. Oh, okay. That's listed on Amazon. Uh, no, it is actually at Live Life's Rich Moments. Okay. The paperback and the Kindle are on Amazon, but the, okay. the commemorative. And also on the site with the commemorative edition, my uh, operating officer here is a master engraver, and we got him a laser printer engraver, and he makes commemorative boxes. Ooh, and wow. So he... We are actually selling those, and those are uh, the commemorative edition with the keepsake box, which is a nice size you can put stuff in, mm -hmm. with a t-shirt, and uh, we have wine glasses, shot glasses, stickers. Oh, okay. Yes, we have, oh, thank you, darling. This is the commemorative box. Oh, I love it. Oh, and wow. That, that is a picture. It says Grace for Grant. He's and at the other t at top of the page, over here, it says, made for Mama Galvin. Mm. And so when you order, they'll put whatever you want on that. You have so many characters, and they can uh, put whatever you ask for custom. That's awesome. That's custom. Wow. It's so really I nice. Love, I love that. You That's awesome. In it. Yeah, as soon as people see them, they go, I want one of those. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. And that's listed on the website as well. Yes, those okay. are listed Perfect. on the website. Um, and there's another uh, there's another one that we offer. It's not the commemorative, but it's a step down. And it has, it's a mailer. It's okay. in all the, the colors of the book. And it offers a t-shirt. 
and the stickers and the and the paperback book and um, I think there's something else in there but uh, those are another version of what we have to offer and and we're going to be doing other custom things mm -hmm. um, cutting boards uh, coasters those type of things um, as we branch out into other things and our services obviously uh, we're editors and writers and ghost writers and bloggers and so we all do also offer those services as well okay. so uh, those are important to note and as we move through the launch we uh, are adding more and more services and, and products all the time amazing but wow. if, you, if you want you can you can kind of get an idea of what people are thinking if you were to go to Amazon and look at, and reviews are being added every day, mm -hmm. uh, you can read some of the reviews. I have, I think 15 or 16 right now. I had someone tell me they were trying to get on today to do one. Okay. Um, and they, they tend to be kind of slow in, in coming, but they're all five stars. That's, that's so, great. Wow. Um, five stars. And there's a couple of people in there. I'm like, I don't know who these people are. <laughs> yeah. Right. So we like to see more of that. And um, I had somebody say um, it helped me with my loss that I didn't even know I needed help with. Wow. So, you know, that was mission accomplished. Yes. 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 What he wanted. So that's yeah. what he wanted. Yep. So <laughs> that's what he that's what he gets. And this this actually is done with a specific hand hand made hand concocted oil oh, that stains wow. it that stains it and is a very special. Oh wow! Um, ecologically safe oil that uh, and it smells amazing. Um, so it's. It's a really lovely box. That's it's a lovely awesome. keepsake. Wow. Yeah, so that's, as far as the business is concerned, yes, uh, go to Amazon and write a review and go to Live Life's Rich Moments and look over all the things we have. And we'll be putting some of the content back in. I have a lot of travel stories and a lot of photography and a lot of, lot of recipes. I do a lot of cooking. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of cooking videos on okay. there. <laughs> And I'll I definitely suck. check that out. <laughs> I suck at cooking, so if I can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> so that's, that's the whole purpose. You can't cook. I'll show you how not to cook. So I'll get I'll get you something you can make. <laughs> I can make it cooking you. I love it. So. Yeah, I I like I can cook, but I won't cook. <laughs> Yeah, well, I have recipes for you. Oh, definitely. That's why I said I got to check it out because I will definitely check out the recipes. Yeah, we'll be adding. And I also have, um, over the 11 years that I was a medical rep, instead of giving a, a Christmas card every Christmas, I put together a cookbook with uh, a few recipes. Uh, body and soul, which are like salt scrubs, facial cleansers, oils, that type of thing. Then it went from drinks, appetizers, uh, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and dessert. And I gave those books away at Christmas time to my doctors. And over the course of 11 years, I have like a 90 page cookbook. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we're pulling That's that amazing. back together. 
and and we'll be having that available as well. And those are recipes that are, there's a couple of difficult ones in there, but a lot of them are like, these are easy. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So, and and the only reason that they turn out the way they are is because I screwed them up in the first place and they ended up getting better. <laughs> well, you gotta do some wrong anyway. I call it unique pleasures. I should call it unique screw ups because <laughs> they they I always did something wrong. So I have a a, a coquille Saint Jacques recipe in there, which I made for a friend of mine one time, and he's a cook, and he was in the kitchen with me, and we were circling around each other cooking the recipe and he said uh when we sat down to eat he said this is really good i said it is really good and i said i'm glad i didn't double that butter and he said put the butter in and i said yeah and he said i put the butter in I thought, oh, no. oh you did double <laughs> so there were some sections in there where I would go this way, he would come around this way, and oh, he would put other part. in that I had already put in. And it turned out really good, but it's like some of the ingredients were double. So there was a lot of butter in that. <laughs> but it was yummy. It was yummy. That's good. When you um, cook with someone else who really knows how to cook, yeah. make sure there's a master chef and then there's an underling. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, wow. <laughs> oh my goodness um thank you so much jackie for um giving us your testimony um i know as a mother that it, it is probably something really hard to deal with but yeah you were given the strength and the courage um to keep going and that is amazing and this is what I'm I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to prop up those people who don't feel like they can be propped up. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Well, we have a question we ask all our guest speakers. What mm -hmm. makes you uncommon? What makes me uncommon? Yes. Um, probably what makes me uncommon is I'm one of the more common people you've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> Then there's, then there's the other things that slide in, the fact that I write and the fact that um, people take me for being very quiet and that's not really true. And so uh, as you meet me, I may tend to be kind of surprising because you think you're looking at this and then the next thing you know, you have this. And I've had some people just get very confused. <laughs> what is this woman really? So, um, but I write and I sing and I manage. Um, I run this household. <laughs> I, I When I sold my house, I thought, there we go. I got rid of the big old house and the ex-husband again. <laughs> <laughs> We're not taking him back a third time. She said again. No. We're not moving in. I'm moving my kids in before I move him back. In. And so it's the uncommonness is somewhat of the commonness because I never pictured myself 
being the one who took care of everything. Mm. And I have moved into a slot where I take care of everything. Mm. And no matter what it is, if I don't know how to do it, I'll learn. You figure it out. Mm -hmm. Figure it out. So I moved into, we renovated, this is my boyfriend, Mark's townhome. We moved in here. It was a complete wreck. We, because he lived with all these women. He didn't ever live here. He would date somebody and stay over there. And I know why. Because <laughs> when I came in here, I thought, oh, my Lord, who would live in this pit? <laughs> I didn't sell the house. I said, we're going to Home Depot. And he said, what are we doing? And I said, we're going to tear your home apart. <laughs> and we tore it completely apart. I'm talking carpeting's up, wallpaper's down, walls are getting taken out. It was oh, a lovely wow. picture of me with a sledgehammer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, taking out just the cabinets. But um, I thought, I'm selling my house. I'm done with managing a household. Oh, no. No, no. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> nope. All the renovations and all the uh, inspections. We're having a new electrical panel put in tomorrow and all that stuff I'm in charge of. He says, I don't want to have anything. We want to deal with it. That's why. Yeah. He's like, well, <laughs> you do it. I'm out. <laughs> it's not my house. I don't care. I'm not doing it. You do it. That's awesome. <laughs> so here I am. There's another house. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's smaller than the one I had. The one I had was a lot bigger. And oh, it was wow. very old and had a ghost. Mm. Yeah, she messed with the kids for years. They had a ball with her. So she died in a freak accident, probably in about 1940. And her daughter showed up. Her daughter died when she died when her daughter was 10. And her daughter was probably about 80 and showed up on my doorstep one day. Okay. And told us all about, told us all about everything. The house was a, they tore it down, it was a 1926. Oh, okay. So wow. She was, um, and I think she's still there. I'm hearing some stories from the neighbors. <laughs> I left her there, brought my kid with me. So, and if you read the book, you'll know why I know he's with me. Mm -hmm. He used to do at the old house, but the second we walked in the door to move in, he did it again here. That's awesome. Wow. So he was a prankster. <laughs> so. Thank you so much, Jackie, uh, for coming on and giving your testimony. I just, I loved your story. It was moving and it was deep and I just loved your, uh, your spirit, you know, and just thank you again. And thank you to our listeners uh, for coming on this evening. Um, check out our our, our apparel, our clothing, um, www.uncommonwomen.net. If you have any topics or potential speakers, or if you want to be a potential speaker, um, also, once again, check out our website at www.uncommonwomen.net. Next week's episode will be recorded June 29th. Um, okay. Celebrating Blindness Awareness Month. And also make sure that you like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And stay on comments. Bye. Bye. Cheers. <laughs>